With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Give and Go, the girls basketball podcast on Game Time CT. My name is Scott Erickson, and we are joined, as always, by Will Aldham. Will, how you doing today? Good. I got playoff fever. I'm ready to go. That's right, man. The conference tournaments are starting this week. Uh, the regular seasons are wrapping up. Uh, most of them are – a lot of them are done. Uh, the rest of them are finishing up on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and we'll know all the seedings for the states at that point, and then we'll get into the conference tournaments. Um, it's the best time of year. I mean, winter tournaments are just absolutely the best. Hockey and basketball, those sports just lend themselves to tournaments, one-and-done tournaments, better than any other sport. Uh, we love it around here, and uh, we're glad you're aboard. You weren't here last year for the tournaments, were you, in the winter? No, nope, no, missed out on that, so I'm excited for this year. Yeah, you're going to love it. Um, and it all ends, you know, either at, you know, at Yale with the hockey or at Mohegan Sun for basketball, girls and boys, and I really don't think anything beats that as far as covering high school girls sports, high school boys sports, or high school sports in general. Um, let's take a quick look at the standings. Uh, in double L right now, Staples is still the number one seed. If they beat West Hill, uh, who they play on Wednesday night, they will be the top seed in double L. Uh, we have New London, uh, who is finished. Uh, Newtown is right behind them and has one more game against New Fairfield. And then since Trumbull lost last night, it looks like NFA is going to slide up and take that number four spot. We talk about this all the time, but getting a top four seed in one of these tournaments is the most important thing because you get to be home through the quarterfinals. The semis and the finals are obviously at neutral sites, but you don't have to get on the bus. You don't have to go anywhere. It's a huge, huge advantage to be a top four seed. Um, Trumbull lost last night to Danbury, who's a very good team. Danbury's 15-4, uh, and four, the same as Trumbull. Um, and they will both get high seeds, but they probably won't get a top four seed. Uh, when we slide down to Class L, we have Notre Dame Fairfield, who um, still has one game uh, left against New Milford, but they're going to be the top seed, barring something crazy happening. Uh, Newington, I think, could still technically slide up there with the power points and get the top seed if they win out and Notre Dame loses, but I think Notre Dame's going to be the top seed no matter what. Uh, then you have St. Paul right now, who's number two, Newington three, and Hand, who's four. Uh, Sacred Heart Academy doesn't have the PowerPoints. It's one of the good things that the CIAC does is they have these PowerPoints. So if your schedule is tougher, which Hand's schedule is tougher than Sacred Heart Academy's, even though they're in the same conference, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt heading into the state tournament. Uh, then in the new uh, class double, uh, double M, which, you know, we can talk when we're heading to states next week about having five classes. I, I don't personally like it. I agree they should have the same as the boys, but it should be four. Um, Berlin's the top seed there right now after Nanawag lost to Chapag last week. Uh, they fell down a spot. Uh, and then we have Sheehan and Bacon Academy. Those should be your top four. Uh, Bacon Academy's done. Sheehan's done. And I think Berlin's done too. 
Uh, Nanawag still has two games left uh, against Housatonic, which is going to be a tough one. Housatonic already beat them this year. And then they have to play Gilbert. So there is a chance that like a Northwest Catholic or someone could slip in. But for the most part, MM is also set with their top four. Uh, when we go to M, uh, Abbott Tech, who's having an awesome year. They were 10-10 and 10 last year. Uh, you can check out, I, I wrote about them in the Girls Basketball Notebook, which is on GameTimeCT.com. Uh, they're 18 and one this year. They're going to be the top seed uh, as long as they beat Walcott Tech. If they beat Walcott Tech, they'll be the top seed. If not, Canton will slide into that spot. Um, oh, and by the way, we're going to have Canton coach uh, Brian Medeiros on later to to talk about all this and talk about the awesome season they've had. Uh, so we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, but behind Canton in M is Holy Cross, and then Bloomfield. Those will be the top four seeds there. Um, it really is too bad that M and MM isn't just one thing. That would be like this awesome tournament. Uh, and then in Class S right now, uh, East Hampton is the number one seed. They will be the number one seed. They still have one game against Westbrook, but they're two games up on Putnam right now. Uh, and then Putnam, Parashell, and Chapag Valley uh, right now look like the top four seeds. Uh, Windsor Locks can still slide in there if Chapag loses. And Chapag could lose. They do have to play Thomaston. Um, and Parish Hill has to play Putnam. So one of those teams is going to lose too. If it's Parish Hill, then Windsor Locks does have a chance to slide up and take a top four seed. Um, Class S has some problems, as we will discuss next week when we talk about the state tournament. But there's going to be teams with maybe three lost, three wins getting into the state tournament. That's never good. Um, so look, we're looking forward to the conference tournaments. Go out and check out some girls' basketball this week. Uh, we are going to get into our interview right now with Canton coach Brian Medeiros, and we will be right back with that. We are joined by Canton girls basketball coach Brian Medeiros. Brian, welcome to Give and Go. Uh, thanks for having me on. This is this is going to be a lot of fun. I think so. Um, so what you, you took over in 2014, Canton, is that right, or 2013? Yeah, that's yeah. I think this is my seventh, this will be my seventh year. Um, so yeah. I think it's 2013, 2014 right now. So, yeah, we've uh, had some pretty good success since I've, uh, since I've joined uh, the program. Uh, when I got there, the junior class, when they were freshmen, they were 2-18. and 18. Right. Uh, then they had a 10-10 and 10 season the following year. We got to the quarters, and then when they were seniors, um, we got to the uh, Class S state championship uh, for the first time when we lost to Thomaston. So, yeah, it's been a con- continuous upward moving forward. So, uh I've been very fortunate, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, you've played in four state championships with this team. Uh, you've won two of them. What needed to change when you came in and took over the program? What was the big thing? I think it was just like the environment, you know, different things that I heard. Um, you know, it's, you know, we made things competitive, but we also made things fun. Um, we made things uh, really enjoyable in the sense of like, there's time for fun, there's time for business. And, we kind of made sure there was a lot of trust. We made sure there was that easygoing feel, but at the same time, you know what, let's hold each other, hold each other accountable. I think there was just a lot of things that just kind of worked itself out. And I think I was very fortunate to have some good basketball players. And it was always a continuation of, you know, a couple of seniors would leave, a couple of good freshmen would show up um, and it just kind of rolled. So we've haven't really, missed a beat over the last six years it's it's been really really uh special because i know that's not normal by any stretch of the imagination it's very hard at any school but especially in a small town to have the repeated success is, is there a youth program in place like where are these girls coming from and, and and how are you getting them 
Um, yeah, there's definitely uh, a youth program and, uh, we don't have middle school sports, so we have like travel basketball. Mm -hmm. So like when I first got in, I was kind of involved with like the, like the process of the evaluating of the talent and so on and so forth. And, you know, it's dads and there's been a few dads, um, you know, and most of those dads right now are actually seniors and it's the Sharon's, um, yeah. Uh, Andy Sharon, it was John Eschenbrenner. Um, it was a Greg Tracy. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that two through those three families that I just mentioned, I've had their daughters since I've been there. So I had a Maggie Tracy. Now I have a Gracie Tracy. I've had uh, <laughs> Emma Sharon. Now I have an Abby Sharon. Right. You know, I've had Leah Eschenbrenner. Now I have a Lauren Eschenbrenner. So those three families have been synonymous since I've been there. And I've been very grateful to have all three of them there with me. What was the reaction from the girls when you first started saying things like, hey, we're going to make a run to Mohegan Sun here. This is going to be our goal every year. I mean, that had to be a, uh, somewhat of an adjustment for them, right? Oh, oh yeah, um, for sure. When I first got into the meeting, and I wasn't really familiar with Canton. Um, I wasn't really familiar with the NCCC. I knew Avon obviously was good. Right. And at that time, so was Ellington. Um, and I remember coming in saying, you know what, our goal here is to be in the top four and we're going to beat Avon and the looks they gave me was like, <laughs> what, are, what are you talking about? We're not beating Avon. We're not going to finish in the top four. We're kind of towards the middle to the end of the pack. And I said, well, our first goal is to get to the quarterfinals of that state tournament that year, which right. we did. Yeah. And then I said, okay, year two, we're, we're going to Mohegan sun. And, um, they had, they looked at me like I had three heads because they said, no, that's not. And I said, trust me, you guys can do this because just kind of seeing things, how it was laid out and seeing how well we did after year one. Yeah. Uh, we got a legitimate shot at this. And now it's kind of like um, it used to be the old expression, can't win Canton. Right. Now everybody expects us to win, um, which is it's a it's a good feeling, but it's also a little um, intimidating in itself because, you know, any given day you can lose and those those expectations. And it's kind of like around the school, if you hear we lose, it's kind of like, you guys lost? And I said, yeah, you know, it happens. It's just, we're so synonymous at this point thinking that, you know, once we step on the floor, we're going to win. And, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. But at the same time, you know, that's not always going to be the case. And you haven't lost an NCCC game in a couple of years now. I mean, the, the streak that you're on is unbelievable. <coughs> I, I, could you ever have imagined that? Like that you're just not dropping games in conference at all right now? No, um, it was kind of in the beginning, it was odd because like we would do well in the regular season, but we'd always lose to like an Avon or we'd lose to Enfield when Enfield was still in the league. And and then eventually we started winning games and it's just like, okay, this is pretty cool. But like we never did it in the tournament. Like we would always be a good regular season team. Right. And then in the tournament, we'd always lose in the semifinals and I would be pretty annoyed. And then, but we would then go on to make it to Mohegan. So it was kind of like, it was all forgotten. Right. And then it was like the joke, I can win a state championship, but we can't win an NCCC tournament title. Um, and uh, now it's to the point where we do, we're so, we've, we've been really consistent because we do get everybody's best shot at us. Absolutely. Um, even like the other night, SMSA almost beat us. And we were down five with like two and a half minutes to go. And I said, girls, you're two and a half minutes before everybody dancing on your floor. And I think that was the last thing they needed to hear. And then we ended the game on an 11 nothing run. Yeah. So it's like, it's that, you know, we keep talking about um, finding your internal drive. I know it's not always easy to get up to play certain teams, 
where it's very easy to get up to play Neo Smith or very easy to get up to play a Cromwell and other teams that we do uh, outside the league. But we constantly talk about that consistency and that drive to say, hey, we got to keep pushing to get to the next one. Take one game at a time, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And for the most part, the girls have done that. And I think that's showed over the last three years since we haven't lost since Valentine's Day 2017. Crazy. Which is kind of crazy. (laughs) And even in that game, we were up the whole game. Yeah. And we lost like 10 seconds to go. So yeah, it's it's been a while. It's pretty cool. I know it's not going to last forever. But it's very cool to uh, to be a part of it right now. Yeah. Uh, speaking of streaks, you guys on a 17 game win streak after starting the season one and two. Just talk about yeah. how you as a coach keep your team from being complacent on a win streak like that. Well, I think early on, you know, I, obviously we wanted to challenge our kids, and unfortunately, like all of those games kind of happened early. You know, we went from like Stafford, who's much, much improved this year. But then we went to Notre Dame and we had a good half and then they kicked, they, they kind of kicked our butts. Um, then we played a tough Simsbury team. And then before you know it, we're one and two. And then we're playing EO Smith. And the, the thought was like, um, we've never been one and three before. And that was kind of what our thought was. And then one reason or another, everything started to click. And I think it was that EO Smith game. Um, and then obviously playing Cromwell. And then there was a few tough um and Triple C games, the Windsor Locks games, the Suffield game, um, this kind of got us into a groove, and things started really clicking for us. I would say, um, even though we essentially brought everybody back, it took some time to kind of get find the groove that we were in last year, um, and then we got rolling. And again, it's talking about pushing the kids in practice, holding each other accountable, but again, finding that internal drive to say, "Hey, you know, I I, I need to do better. I need to do more. I need to do my job." And I think once we got to that thing and, um, you know, the, the younger kids, our sophomores coming off the bench, um, they found more confidence and they found their groove. It just kind of all kind of came together. Yeah, I mean, you guys have had this for a couple of years. You mentioned it earlier where you have these underclassmen that are able to kind of grow and learn because you have such strong yeah. seniors. I mean, you have six seniors in this team. You have one of the better yeah. players in the state in Abby. Yeah. What is that process like to, to bring the younger players along? Yeah, like the freshman year usually is like that year that they kind of just, you know, come along for the ride. And I'll I'll get them in in games that once the games are kind of out of reach, you know, kind of slide them in. And then sophomore year, it's really like, and it starts with the scrimmages. I I tell them, you know, now it's time, it's your time to kind of be a part of, join the party, I guess you could say. Yeah. You know, we have two, um, and it's um, Jenna Konowalski and, um, you know, Claudia Bohm, and they've done a great job for us coming off the bench. And along with Paige Brown, who's a junior, who's kind of played starters minutes for the, since she's been a freshman. Yeah. Um, when those kind of come off the bench, it kind of, we play at a different speed. Um, the game changes for us. Um, and they do such a great job of kind of finding their niche. Um, the two sophomores, just, they know they're, it's like it's instant offense. They come in, they run the floor, they make shots. Yeah. Um, when Paige comes in she kind of she's our utility player so someone gets into foul trouble down low she's playing down low if it's a if it's a guard perspective she's coming in sometimes she's relieving abby with ball handling duties um just to kind of give abby a little break putting her on the wing so yeah like our eight's pretty solid across you know our eight's pretty solid but again it's it's the i think it's a due to the seniors welcoming the sophomores yeah and making them comfortable so it's all part of the process so there's no jealousy amongst the girls, which is great. They're really tight-knit, which is great. Um, and they really play together as one. And they're so close off the floor. And I think that's why you see why we have such great success on the floor. Uh, for the people who have not seen her, tell us about Abby. Tell us what makes her such a special player. 
Yeah, Abby, um, she has started since like the second or third game of her freshman year, and she is just the ultimate point guard. Um, she's team first. Um, she makes things happen. Um, she knows when to play fast. She knows when to play slow. Um, and she's just constantly developed her offensive game um, from her freshman year. When we first got her, she didn't want to shoot threes. Um, it was like mid-range and getting to the basket. And mm-hmm. now um, the last couple of years, she's hit over third threes in each season. Um, and she makes us tick. She's she's definitely um, the coach on the floor. She's the one calling everything out. Um, she's the one motivating. She's the one encouraging. She's the one. She's the first one there to give someone a high five. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, you know, she's two years all state, soon to be three years all state in basketball. But you know, she's even better with lacrosse stick because she's an all American in lacrosse. That's right. Go to UConn, <laughs> and she's going to go play lacrosse at UConn. So I always say it's scary to say she's that much better with the stick in her hand than with the basketball. But um, she's been such a joy to coach, and she's just. Again, she's she is the coach on the floor, and I couldn't ask for a better person to be to to be that for us for sure. And you can't coach a kid to be competitive like that. I mean, that's just she she brought that no. to the table herself, right? Yes, exactly. She has that internal drive. Sometimes um, we lack um, you know that competitive edge, and she's the one constantly bringing out in her friends. Um, and like this group, when you talk about the seniors, they've been playing together since fifth grade. Yeah. So sometimes. Um, she definitely knows how to get them ticked sometimes a little bit more than I do. So, and this year more than ever, there has been more of a competitive feel throughout practice. At times it would be like, eh, but now it, it's it's pretty consistent. And that, and that starts and ends with Abby, for sure. Uh, how much has it changed with girls from these small towns who are able to now branch out in the summer and the off season and play AAU against really competitive girls from bigger schools from other states how much does that help yeah. their game uh, you know I, I think it does a lot oh, right yeah i think it's huge you know i coach for the connecticut starters during right. the summer and um you know it used to be the small like the small school kids used to kind of be looked at like oh they're going to be probably towards the end of a roster because you're getting kids from most of the bigger schools and the bigger cities of the state and now it's kind of like the exact opposite to a certain degree it's like if you can play you can play yeah and everyone for Oh yeah, she's oh she goes to Can. Like where the heck's Can? They just know <laughs> this kid can play basketball. Um, and we've had we've had good success, and she has done a great job because uh, like her high school, her AAU teammate for the last since she's been a, in the eighth grade has been Sarah Welgamuth from Hand to Madison. Unbelievable. So between <laughs> yeah, so the two of them in the backcourt uh, has been a, a great sight to see. And then you know we've added a. And Aaron Carucci from Northwest Catholic. We've had a Liv Boney from Hall, you know, and you kind of sprinkle kids from all over. And then there's Lauren Keel from East Windsor, which yep. is another small school kid, but can play basketball. So it's we've been able to find the right mix. And when the, we go out and play other schools in uh, other teams in Connecticut or other schools in the Northeast and so on and so forth, you would have no idea if you say which one of these kids goes to a small school, you'd have no idea because it's just they're just playing basketball and sometimes depending on the game the small school kid might be a little bit better than the bigger school kid um but i think it also goes back to and i know you guys touched upon it uh last week with courtney all like all of our kids in small schools they're playing multiple sports right so as much as they're playing aau in the spring they're playing softball they're playing lacrosse they're they're um, they're doing track much like in the fall they're doing volleyball they're doing soccer they're doing field hockey and i think for a lot of these kids it's really helping them on the basketball floor yeah and I think sometimes the bigger school kids they don't have the ability to do as many sports whereas in the small schools it's almost needed 
I think almost every one of my kids is playing a minimum of two sports and more, most of them are playing three. Yeah. And I think that kind of completely helps, um, you know, the, the, what they do on the basketball floor for sure. Uh, speaking of Connecticut starters, I, I know you were at East Catholic for a little while, but the coaches that have yes, come yeah. out of Connecticut starters, I mean, Joe Tukotsky and Fred Williams, yep. how much did you learn from those guys and how much does that help you as, as a head coach now? I've had the great ability to have a great coaching tree, you know, with uh, Fred Williams over at Northwestern Regional, uh, Nikki Kononopoulos, um, and then, you know, guys like Joe Tykotsky, even when I was at East, Al Lewis, um, and then, like, my brother Scott coaches at HK. Uh, Joe has been constantly with me since um, I got into this. And uh, and then there's older coaches that I'm still pretty friendly with. Like, the Eric, I'm good friends with Eric DeMarco, used to be a Notre Dame of Fairfield. Sure. Yeah. So, or Chris, Chris Wall, who's at St. Joe's. So there's a lot of guys that I'm constantly talking to uh, that have really helped shape me into coaching. And they've done a great job. Or, or even locally, uh, Mike Papali, who was my high school coach, and now his son is the Fairfield prep coach. Um, so I've been, I've been really fortunate um, to be surrounded by good basketball minds and but more importantly, good people. And I think that was what Fred and Nick and Joe and all these guys I've been around have kind of made sure, you know, you got to figure out your own style, but you got to figure out a way to have fun. You got to figure out how to be competitive and you got to make kids believe um, that you're honest with them. Yeah. Make them feel that this guy is not, being fake he's not just saying this because x y or z he truly feels a certain way about me and i think that that's where i've been fortunate sure. uh you guys are in class m this year you're moving up from class s where you were last year but that's part of the new redesign what do you think yeah. of some of the teams you've seen i know you've already played cromwell this year uh but you know you got, you got holy cross in there bloomfield your friends at yeah. granbury memorial what, what do you think of class m this year i i think yeah, class m's tough you know um i was at i went to bloomfield play last night against windsor yeah. Um, very, you know, Bluefield really good. They're athletic. Um, you know, I've seen Holy Cross. I saw Holy Cross play St. Paul earlier in the year. Again, strong team. Yeah. Uh, you know, we definitely say those two teams are the two teams that stand out. I've been down and I saw Bassick, those two guards at Bassick. They're really talented. Yep. Um, and then, you know, you look at schools like Kagenchag, um, Jenna Barons, who's like six, six foot three post player. She's very good. Pretty yeah. talented. Um, and, you know, there's other, you know, teams like an Ansonia, Seymour with Brian Cleveland, who's done a great job with his kids. So I, I definitely, and even like a sleeper like Stonington, who's one of the later seeds, I don't think that's a, a really great matchup for a lot of teams either. Um, and then, you know, schools from my league, SMSA is going to give people problems. I think Granby would give people some problems. So I think there's a good balance to the league. Um, I think there's probably seven or eight teams that probably could get to the semifinals. Yeah. Um, I like to believe I'm one of those teams. Um, and, uh, I think it's like anything else. If your team shows up, you have a good chance of, you have a good chance of winning. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some cha- more challenges this year around this time around than I've been accustomed to in, in S over the last couple of years. That's for sure. And I mean, I don't know if it's going to match up that way, but you said your brother coaches at HK. He's, he's, a, girl, he's a girls coach. Yes, he's the girls. So coach. I mean, it is possible the way things are looking that that could be a matchup, right? Yeah, it's. I can tell you, it's not uh, something my family is excited about. Um, but yeah, it's a possibility. You know, yeah. uh, I've only coached against him once. Yeah, um, and it was during the summer, and that's that's whatever. But you know, I think it would be cool in one aspect: two brothers coaching against each other in the state tournament. Um, so it'd be great for all of our family to go. But you know, all things being equal, I wish. You know, I don't play him. Yeah. He plays at 
and he plays Abbott Tech. Right. Um, uh, I don't, you know, so, but, you know, if we have to play, I think it's fun. I think it would be a cool experience. I think everyone, something that people will remember. Um, and it would be a great opportunity to share the sideline with my brother because he's done a good job. He's, he's been coaching for quite a, some time, so that would be pretty cool in itself. Did you like the, the the new redesign with the five divisions? Is are you a fan of that? Um, candidly, um, yes and no. Yeah, I, I I don't think our state is big enough for five divisions. And right, I, I could say the same thing for the boys. Yep. Um, and the and the boys side, you know, some of the Catholic schools have really dominated that. between the East Catholics and the Sacred Hearts of Waterbury. I thought we could have done a better vision of figuring out how to do four. Yep. And I feel the same way for the girls. But I do understand if it's five for the boys, it should be five for the girls. Um, and then, you know, with their format and them filling the brackets, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Um, I, Joe shared, Joe Tykotsky shared with me, um, like 25% of the field is going to be teams with eight wins or less. Yep. And I don't think that's really the answer. Um, cause you know, I, I did look at S and I looked at class L cause class L is bad too. There's going to be teams that are have two or three wins yep. that are going to be playing first round and, and they're going to a Notre Dame or Fairfield or they're going to an East Hampton or they're, you know, and so on and so forth. And I don't know what anybody gets from that. I, I, I do understand, um, being afraid of the double buy of not having enough teams qualify. Cause I know on the boys end they don't fill. And sometimes there's only 17 through 22 teams making it. Right. Uh, and I know that's a challenge in itself too. So um, I'm not sure what the right answer, maybe filling the bracket to 24. Yeah. So maybe there's only eight teams that might get a potential first round buy, but everyone else is playing. Um, I just hope that the scores aren't completely lopsided. Cause I think that just leaves a bad, bad taste um in everybody's mouth it doesn't do anything for the team that won and it definitely doesn't do anything for the team that lost that lost that game um so i think it's like we'll see how it goes i i think if it makes the divisions better i think that's great i i do think you know i look at double m and i look at the the sheehan's um the berlin's yep uh, the east Catholics, the northwest catholics i think if we were all together that m double m division I think that would be a. I think it would be a great tournament. Fantastic. And yeah. Um, so I, I can say from that perspective, just looking at it, say you know what, the teams that we talked about before about class M, they would do just as well in double M, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's I guess a wait and see how a wait and see approach. So I think it's gonna be interesting. And you guys have had that buy before. Does that time off where it's just practice? Where you're going from a schedule of two or three games a week to. Maybe yeah. having a stretch where you're not playing for almost a week is that disruptive, and is that I, better or worse than playing know, a team that you're going to just you know wipe out? I think I think it's um you know like for me the last time we had a buy I was like the first time we made it to Mohegan, and we were the number one seed and I knew I was playing uh, Colby Cathedral in right. the second round because they had a tech school, so I made it a point to go down to Weaver and scrimmage. Yep. Um. So and it just kind of worked out weaver had a, a, a gap so i used during that time period i made sure i was being productive with it i guess yeah. you could say i do believe if you're just going to practice i think that's a that's a long stretch especially if you don't play excuse me to the to your conference final 
Right. If you get you lose in the semis, or if you're in the bigger ones like the CCC, you could be done by Saturday uh, with their 16 game format, and then now you you still have eight or nine days. So that is still a long gap. So if you can get a, a really productive scrimmage, I think that helps. I don't think the time off. I think time off is a good thing too. Yeah. Um, just um, just to give the kids a little bit of a break because now you're hoping that you know you're going for another three weeks that's the goal everyone wants to be there on march 21st 22nd so a few days to give the kids to kind of just get to recharge the batteries and it kind of gives us as coaches ability to recharge that's yeah. a good thing too um and it kind of also gives you give you an idea of like who do i need to go see who do i need to kind of map out so i know all of our bases are covered so i think again if you could be productive you know, another thing we do from time to time is we'll go practice with Northwestern. You know, another thing, it's just we're playing against different people. Yep. You know, I've done it with Sam Zulu over at Simsbury. Same thing. You know, when you're having the ability to practice and seeing new faces, it's not the same old, same old. Yep. And I think that's key during that time. Obviously, there's a chance of injury, but there's also a chance of injury during a regular practice as well. So, um, yeah, I think you got to weigh the pros and the cons. All right, now we get into the important questions. You're a Wallingford guy, but you, you spend time up yes. in Canton. So first, yep. let's talk about Wallingford. If we're in Wallingford, we're going out to eat. Where are we going? Um, Pete's got a donut place yeah. that he likes. Oh, I so. heard Neil's. Do- I heard Neil's donuts. <laughs> yeah, Neil's is great. That's like, uh, my dad's favorite donut shop. So we've always making a point uh, to get some for my dad. Um, so Neil's is great if you're you're looking for that breakfast type of thing. Um, if you like, we have Archie Moore's in the center of town. That's right, great yeah. Buffalo chicken nachos, and that's a great for like nightlife. Um, lunch, you know, we have essentially everything, you yeah. know. And I like to go to delis. Um, so you know, like Vinny's Deli in town is a great place to get a sandwich. Um, uh, so that, that's how I would kind of look at. But if you want a chain, we have every chain that you can think of. Like we have every car dealership in town in Wallingford. Yes, you do. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but if you're up. In Canton, the place that we always end up going to is Dish and Dat off of Route 44. So, you know, they, they serve breakfast all day, which is great. So you catch me occasionally having, like, pancakes or something after the game. Um, but, yeah, that, that's a great place to be, too. And then um, LaSalle Market in Collinsville. Those are the two places that uh, definitely that I've, I've enjoyed in my time being up there for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and you guys, I mean, you guys, the last few years, the girls and you have really put Canton on the map, and now you're a team that everybody talks about in the state. So congratulations for that. Uh, good luck the rest of your run uh, in the NCCC and in states, and we hope to catch up with you uh, as the state tournament goes on. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brian. Oh, thank you, guys. Seriously, this is a lot of fun, and uh, I was I was hoping one of these days I'd be on the podcast, <laughs> and I'm very, thankful. I'm very thankful that I had the opportunity today. And thank for all thank you for all the stuff that you do for girls basketball. You've really, as you say, you put us on the map. You've really put girls basketball on the map. So thank you guys. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate that. We are back on Give and Go. Um, I mean, Brian Madero just kept it going. We've had such good coaches on there. Like they've been awesome this year, haven't they? Yeah, really. Uh, just really insightful stuff out of these guys. Um, and we've had a, co- a coach from each different conference. We've done CCC. ECC, FCAC, NCCC, SEC, and SWC. <clears throat> we got it. We missed out on Shoreline and NVL. Maybe we'll get one of them in the uh, in the postseason uh, next week. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have a guest next week because we'll do the do the state tournament preview show, which is always a huge one for us. Um, but then, if one of these coaches can win a state championship, we'd love to have them on at that point, and maybe we'll have someone on during the tournament to talk about the rest of the teams. But look. 
This is the best time of year for girls basketball, best time of year for boys basketball. Get out and go watch some games, and we will see you next week back here on Give and Go.